0: Hello, everyone. Before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode contains some themes that may be unsuitable for younger listeners. And now let's get to the show. creative process podcast, a discussion with artists about what goes on behind the scenes when they're creating their work. I'm your host, Dave Hopper. On this episode, I speak with Anna Case Hoffmeister. Anna is a photographer who uses the genres of family photography, nude portraiture, religious iconography, and testimony in her work. Her art is about love and searching for it in seemingly hopeless and desolate places. It is about moving beneath passion and violence to expose love, compromised and deeply misunderstood in this world. Anna, thank you for joining me on the Creative Process Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So you were recommended by Hannah Price, um, a Philadelphia artist we had on in our 10th episode. Can you tell us how you know Hannah?
1: Uh, Hannah and I went to the Yale School of Art in the photography program together um, about three or four years ago. She graduated the year after me.
0: And you guys still keep in touch?
1: We do. She's, She's a good friend of mine.
0: Were you scared when she told you uh, to do the radio interview?
1: I was surprised. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't tell me. I got an email from you, and then I wrote to her, and she's like, yeah, awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, yeah, I recommended you, didn't
1: I? (laughs) Yeah, she didn't really say (laughs) anything other than that. But, yeah, no, I I was really happy to hear from you.
0: My first question is always, where does your creative process start? So we'll start with that.
1: Well, I mean, that's, that's a pretty open-ended question. <laughs> um, for me, it starts in various places. I mean, I, I, have, I have things that I do to help the process along. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, generally, it's an idea, you know, or a feeling that comes about, and um, it's usually very intuitive, and then I start thinking about it. So it's generally pretty personal, and then mm-hmm. it expands from there.
0: Do you find ideas in any other uh, certain form of medium? Like um, our last guest, Keith Yarling, finds it in literature, and others have talked about music. Is there anywhere, or is it just stuff from your personal life?
1: Oh, I mean, I, I'm really influenced by film and television. Um, I'm, I'm This is my first year of teaching, and mm-hmm. I found my students to be incredibly inspiring. Um, I'm inspired by other artists, artists, um, you know, the news, you know, generally what's happening out in the world.
0: Yeah, we can't get away from that, even if we want to. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> that's usually that's usually the most pervasive thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. There's going to be a lot of uh, interesting art coming out in the next few years, I think. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> so when you get <laughs> these ideas, what do you do? Do you write them down or you just think about them for a while?
1: I usually think about them for a while and generally that'll sort things out on its own um i i tend to usually have one or two ideas that that just won't go away
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and then you know if they stay around long enough i'll start to pursue them and they're usually things that i think i can't do
0: <laughs> there's <is> a challenge
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: so you have to kind of push yourself to get out there exactly how long do you wait to before you push yourself?
1: You know, I can act on it pretty quickly. You know, sometimes I'll wait um, a month or so. I mean, generally there's a few things that I'm working on at a time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, right now I, when I was putting this work together for you, I, I looked at something and I was like, gosh, you know, that's, some, that's an idea that I've had, you know, for a couple of years now. And I, or it's really time to pursue that.
0: And which one was that?
1: Um, that was, I, I believe I sent you at the the stack of TVs. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Do you want to describe that so we can talk about that?
1: Sure. So I um, I had three TVs, vintage TVs, that were in a show um, a couple of years ago. And what I had done was I had appropriated um, an old porn from 1972 called Behind the Green Door. Mm-hmm. By the Mitchell Brothers, and I, uh, Marilyn Chambers actually stars in it. And I made I, I had originally taken the film and reduced it to about three or four minutes, and then included my own content. And it was it was a narrative film, you know, from mm-hmm. start to finish. And then, in order to make it feel more like my own, what I did was I used the three TVs to essentially have three channels where on one TV and this is, this is a film that was, you know, basically a rape abduction film. So the first TV had Marilyn Chambers leaving the house and getting grabbed in the car, driving away, you Mm -hmm. know, and that would circulate over and over and over again. And then the other TVs would have the rest of the story. And within those, you know, there would be footage of my friends and my mother, you know, and, (laughs) and by using the TVs, it, it allowed, you know, newer content to look like older content Yeah, as well.
0: It yeah. definitely does. You can definitely see that some of it's newer, but then it looks, it like fits in with the 70s stuff, the TVs.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: I want to ask, where did the idea for this come from? Because that, that interests me the most, is when you're, because I would say some of your material is more, obviously an adult manner, um, but it's not. I don't know how I want to say it's not like exploitative or like just for shock value I think so I'm just wondering where the ideas come from and how you follow your muse there
1: so the idea for that one I, I actually use the technique that I I sometimes incorporate and which is I, I simply you know sat and wrote you know all these ideas of mm-hmm. things that I wanted to pursue and at the time I was making a lot of work about Violence and specifically violence against women, but it doesn't necessarily have to be women. Mm. You know, I chose women because I am a woman, and then also, you know, in order to specify to a degree. And at that time, Marilyn Chambers had just passed away, and I had you know never heard of this film and had knew nothing about her. Mm. And um, the reason why I used it also was because while I was in school, Richard Prince had been a guest critic in the program, and this is somebody who's well-known for appropriation. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, the rest of my classmates really were very, very influenced by, you know, um, by him, you know, and his ideas and the power of of appropriation, and, you know, we're trying it out, and it finally got to the point where I was like, well, hey, now, (laughs) I'd like to try it, too. And I was like... You know, because my perspective on it was, it's a really powerful thing to do. You know, you're basically taking something that belongs to somebody else and then reframing it. And, you know, there's lots of different opinions about it Mm -hmm. in the art world and elsewhere. And I don't want to get into that, but I realized, you know, as a woman, if I took this film and then, you know, re-edited it and put it into a different form, you know, that was power, yeah. In a way, and I was also, you know, constantly looking for a way to make work about these difficult subjects without having the viewer shut down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So basically, I was trying to get these ideas, you know, you know, through the mail slot, you know, of people's minds, without it being exploitative. Or um, sometimes, you know, it becomes something that you know people can't even hear.
0: Yeah. So like a lot of the news today.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so how do exactly. you how do you push that line to get what you want out there but not cross it so people shut down? Is do you have to sort of massage it or is it just something that you become attuned to after a while?
1: Well, I've had the experience of having people completely shut down. <laughs> so I I, I now have a fear of that, and I, I try not to engage with that too much. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, it is, you know, walking a line. You know, there's this line of um, having people shut down and then also not wanting to exploit my subject matter as well. And I have to say, you know, that's one of the hardest things to do, but I also find it to be one of the most stimulating and exciting and engaging things to do as an artist.
0: And what reactions do people normally have? And what reaction are you looking for?
1: Well, typically what I'm looking for is um, I I would like people to be disarmed and to be able to connect with the work. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I certainly don't want to upset or traumatize anybody, but At a certain point, I have to let go of what other people's reactions might be. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, what I'm always looking for is, you know, a way to have a conversation about these things that it seems like, you know, people are shut down about and and not, you know, um, something about trauma and, you know, violence. And, you know, really just how the world works is that, you know, people just accept that there's going to be horrible things that happen and to a point where it seems like people get a little immune to it. And so what I try to do is is break through that so we can have a conversation about
0: it. And have you been successful in having conversations with people after seeing the work?
1: I think I have. Yeah, I have. I have.
0: Great. So what led you to try to talk about these tough subjects in an art sense?
1: Well, when I, I was always... Interested in this But wasn't really Able to engage with it Or pursue it And When I When I first started school um, My My father committed suicide And The repercussions Of that That You know Event And his death You know Basically just Pushed me into this New Territory Without even Without even trying You know Mm. I was living it and I stayed in school and as a result, I had to make art. And so, you know, all of these topics just basically, you know, even if I tried to keep it out, I couldn't. It just came in.
0: Yeah. And do you think that was good that you were in school still so you had to make work so you couldn't just kind of sit there and think about it?
1: Well, I, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, um, I think, I, I think you know that it was very hard to go through something like that very publicly
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to make work about it and you know in a, in a very critical atmosphere yeah but at the same time i feel like it, it was it was the best place i could have been it right. was very supported and it gave me you know i i don't think i would have been productive or made made art um if i hadn't been there i think i think i would have shut down and yeah. You know, to a degree I did, but I also remained open.
0: Do you think you're more open to um, criticism after having people look at this work you were making in a very personal way? Um, Do you think that helped you in the future um, as how people will view the work?
1: Um, What do you mean by criticism? Just criticism in in general? Yeah, because in
0: school you have to have people look at and talk about what you made, correct?
2: Yeah. So just like... Um,
0: having to go through that, I guess, instead of, like, just making it on your own and not having, have someone look at it.
1: Yeah, um, well, yes, no, it was very helpful to have criticism, and I was open to it. You know, it would would be hard, you know, to be criticized, but a lot of the work, like, for instance, the porn TVs, I made as a result of that criticism, you know, where people, you know, my teachers pushed me to try to, um, take my personal experience and make it more of a universal and mm. i think that would have been harder for me to see if i was just all by myself making the work
0: yeah so i want to get into because you do photography and video or film yes and how do you decide what should be what how do you decide oh this should be a photo project or oh i should put a little video in here
1: Well, typically what I do is I try to do it with photography with still images, Mm -hmm. because I identify first as a photographer, and then um, if I feel like it's not happening fast enough or if I'm not getting the result that I want, then at that point I will try it with moving image, and so often I'll work with both at the same time, and you know, if the ideas are coming across better with the, with, with the incorporation of moving image or sound, I'll, I'll go for it. I'll use it. Um, if I think I can back away from that and go back to still photographs, I, I will use still photographs. I don't, I don't think one is better than the other. I think they both have their merits.
0: So with the two films that are on your website, were there any photos to go along with that and you just decided that the video worked better or were they both just video projects?
1: Um, they were both video projects uh, they came out of at the same time I was photographing
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and specifically those two films on my website they kind of both of those have chapters in them so mm-hmm. there were snippets of video that I was taking so I'd be out photographing and I'd see something and instinctually I would be like. Uh, that that really should be a video. I, I should shoot some video, and, and I would. And and that's one of the wonderful things about digital cameras today is that you can switch back and forth. So yeah. I was experimenting with that.
0: So the video, Go By Feel, can you tell us how that came to be?
1: So that came about, I was actually um, out in Montana, and I was photographing and filming. And in the be- beginning of that um, video, there's, on the scene with all these cows mm-hmm. yelling, and that came from Montana. And then I came back east, and I had this, you know, need and desire to try to, you know, take my work out of my family, my out of my personal narrative, mm-hmm. and try to connect. Um, so, what happened was I put an, an ad on Craigslist anywhere I felt like I could drive to, on the East Coast. Mm-hmm saying I was looking for women who had survived violence um, for a lack of a better way, better way to phrase it. Yeah. And I got two responses in the same location, and I, I can't say where it is just mm-hmm. to keep the people anonymous. Um, And one of the women was um, she lived on a farm and she had farm animals and she had an abusive boyfriend who would call her and and in the middle of the night and threaten her and threaten the animals. So she would go and she would pack up all the animals and and hide from him. And it made me immediately think of that cow footage that I already had.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then another woman contacted me whose mother had been murdered and said that she wanted to do an anonymous testimony. And so at that point, then I found these bull riders, you know, and I, I, I like went from the cows that I already had and just started to kind of link it together. And that was that was the process of that video
0: now the end is basically we're just listening to the story um there's no video how did that come about was did you have video and you decided that just listening to it would be more powerful or did it just work out that way
1: well i originally showed it in a space that was more like a theater Mm -hmm. and so my idea was that you would be sitting there and you'd be watching all this imagery, you'd see the animals, you'd see bull riders, you know, the cowboy on the burning mattress and all, you know, all of that sound. And my idea was is that when you finally get to her story, I just wanted people to focus on being in that space, mm-hmm. you know, the, in darkness with her telling this very, very district, descriptive story and, and not put any imagery in, you know, to take away from the story she was telling or her voice. Um online I don't think it translates as well and I've considered, you know, making making um some some imagery to go with that, but at this point I, I haven't really been able to bring myself to because I felt like her story was so powerful I, I just didn't feel like I could put image to it.
0: Yeah. I could definitely see that working really well in a darkened theater, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So how was it screening that for an audience?
1: It was, I mean, I was very nervous because I, because, <laughs> well, yes, there's there's this whole scene in it of me actually in front of an American flag. I forgot about that. I sent that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm, I'm in front of this American flag and I'm, I'm pressed up against it and, and I'm, you know, I'm topless and I'm doing the home alone grab from behind, you know, pulling myself into this into this flag and i felt i felt very you know initially really self-conscious about showing that and you know nobody had seen it and you know i felt very revealing also to like go from making you know photographs of my family and then to you know work with other people and then put it out there and at the time i was really concerned about how everybody was represented um you know i i You know, I was worried about, you know, how I would look, but also I was like really concerned about how that would look in conjunction with this woman's story, you know, Mm -hmm. how people would react to that.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about you mentioned your family and some of the pictures that you have are very personal that you sent me and that are on your site and you put out there. So how much work do you have that you don't put out there? And is there a balance between what you will share and what you won't share of other people?
1: Um, not, not necessarily. I mean, I, I mean, it is personal. I, I, there, there's some stuff that I don't necessarily put up on my website. Um, you know, at one point I was looking for teaching positions and I didn't want to <laughs> put everything out there. Um, and I actually had put everything out there and, and that, and that came, it came back um, to hurt me a little bit. And, but you know, it, it depends, you know, the sequence that I have on the website is, it's pretty refined you know like I, i do withhold a lot publicly but um you know unless i'm having a show or or going for a studio visit or a meeting
0: so how do you edit this stuff down for a show is there do you do it by time periods or just images that fit together to tell a certain story
1: well um lately i have i've been editing it together um working with work that's has been made over the past six or seven years. And, and this is the still photograph
2: specifically.
1: Mm-hmm. And I will edit it together with a narrative in mind, you know, a really loose narrative. Um, in all my work, there's usually some central characters for a long time. I photograph my mother, you know, so mm-hmm. I, w- I would use her as a focal point. And then, you know, there would be pictures of other people, but. I believed it had a certain flow to it, you know, and I would put different pictures in for um, emotive reasons or formal, and, and I would do that. Um, I recently just um, made a handmade book, and I did the same thing where I had a couple different characters, you know, who would repetitively show up within all the photographs.
0: So how did the people you're photographing feel about the photographs? Is there, like, a comfort between you and them that... How you portray them in the photographs?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I um, there are people who I only photograph one or two times,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and then there's people like my like my mother and some other friends of mine, or you know, simply people who I've worked with, um, who I've gone back to again and again and have developed a relationship with them.
0: Because some of this is like there are some personal moments that you photograph. And the pictures that you sent me, I'm just wondering when do you you're,
1: have. Do you have an example?
0: Well, I, there's the one where the sex act with the two people lying next to each other. I guess you would say. Um, oh yes. So I'm just wondering, being in that situation, is there just a comfort, or is you're sort of disconnected from what you're seeing?
2: Um.
1: Well, yeah. So that 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 picture is a little abnormal. I think out of out of all my work, mm-hmm. um, that was. That was something it was a couple i I knew, and i had I had talked to them previously about it, and I didn't you know specify what I wanted them <laughs> to do um i I simply i basically what I wanted was um there's another picture that goes with that that I didn't send you where you actually see the man's face, and he's very disconnected and that that's what I was interested in showing, so I called them and I talked to them. And then I guess they had a conversation about what they were willing to do (laughs) before they showed up for the photograph. And then it just it just happened, you know. And and I think because I had this, I I often shoot with a large format camera and that was between me and them. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel very it didn't feel too intimate or odd or, you know, it was it was was simply something that was happening. I think if I if I hadn't had my camera there, I would feel differently about it. Yeah. Um, but I remember, I remember very much just feeling like a curious observer.
0: And that's one thing about a large format camera, because you're not just sitting there with the digital camera, snap, 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 snap. <laughs> it's a different kind yeah, of yeah.
1: Because I, I set it up, you know, they knew where I was going to be. You know, it, there's there's a boundary line that happens when you use a camera like that.
0: Yeah, I've seen, I've heard a lot of photographers say they can get more natural reactions because you're still looking at the person. You don't have that big camera and lens in your face. All the time. You can yeah, sort of look I, around.
1: And I think people become, they, they become more comfortable because um, they, they know that you're not necessarily going to move quickly away from the camera or with your camera to a different spot. So they get used to you being there, setting up the camera, focusing, doing everything that you need to do. And in that time frame, they relax.
0: Yeah. My favorite of the ones you sent was Moon, with the two people with their backs turned to the camera oh yes can you tell me a little bit about that one
1: um that was taken in Bolinas, california and um those are two good friends of mine and it's just it's in this beautiful location and you know two people i i really love a lot and one of my favorite things about that photograph is the hand gestures
2: yeah um, the
1: hand gesture of the the man um behind and Actually, at the time, I had this experiment with my with my large format camera. I was shooting handheld, and I had this string attached to it. And I would ask people to hold it, and I had like a fixed focus. And mm-hmm. so I I was shooting without even looking through the camera,
0: and mm-hmm.
1: just you know shoot, shooting intuitively. It worked out well. The, yes, sometimes it didn't work out well, but that, <laughs> that one picture worked out well.
0: <laughs> So what are you currently working on? You say you have a bunch of projects you're usually working on at the same time. Are you working on a bunch of things right now?
1: I'm working on a couple of things. Um, I've been photographing um, my brother, and he um, he was, I think in a couple of those pictures, there's a photograph of him sitting on a bed looking up above him. And um, I'm about to go to the West Coast, so everything's about to change, um, I have some ideas um, for video, but I'm I'm actually in this um, spot right now where er- everything's about to change. You know, I'm yeah. gonna be somewhere new with different people and.
0: Are you I'm moving have... to the West Coast?
1: I'm not, but I have the whole summer off,
0: so oh, that's I'm, right.
1: I'm really excited about what may come.
0: Where in the West Coast are you that? going?
1: I'm gonna go to California, and then I'm gonna go up to Oregon
0: those are great places to shoot (laughs) yeah have you been out there before
1: i used to i used to live in the bay area for a long time
0: i love that area it's a great place it's a lot of great stuff to shoot out there just without even just landscape without thinking about the people
1: yeah and it's it's so different from here
0: yeah that's for sure so yeah creating art in the time of change is interesting too um are you excited you said you were excited about going out there? Are you nervous at all too?
2: well
1: um a little bit because I mean I even if I wanted to plan everything out you know mm-hmm. at this point i I know that if I try to plan something it's just gonna completely change <laughs> um, which there's nothing wrong with planning but I my experience is that it, it it just changes you know if I dream up a project and what'll happen is the moment I get there it'll it'll change um so, yeah, I'm a little nervous because it's an unknown. Um, you know, I've thought, you know, what if I'm not inspired by being on the on the West Coast? Yeah. And um, I really don't think that'll be the case, but I have those thoughts that run through my mind.
0: Well, I'm sure you'll push yourself and come up with something great.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm confident of that, too. It's just, you know, that unknown.
0: Yeah, change always brings good old anxiety, at least for me, that's for sure.
1: And it also can bring new energy.
0: Very true. Okay, so my last question is, who should I talk to next? Whose creative process are you interested in learning more about?
1: Um, I, you know, if I was you, I would call um, Pa Hair. Um, She's somebody that I went to school with at Yale. And she's Hmong, and she lives um, outside of St. Paul, Minnesota. Great. She makes incredible work. And she has a fascinating process. And she's somebody that I haven't talked to a lot in the past few years. But I do follow her work. And I'd, I'd be curious to see how that's developed over over time.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for doing the interview. And thank you for that recommendation. You're welcome. That was photographer Anna Case Hoffmeister. Find her work at casehofmeister.com. That's C-A-S-E. H-O-F-M-E-I-S-T-R dot com. Thank you for listening to the Creative Process Podcast, a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Theme music is Big Scream by Silent Partner. Please join me next time, and in the meantime, have fun creating.